So us having been born and taking up this life that we have, what is it for and why have we been born? If we just uh, follow um, the standard nature of humans, um, then we won't know the answer to this. Or we'll think that this life is here and we're living it um, to fulfill our duties. The duties that we have when we study at school, the duties that we pick up when we work, or our duties towards our family and taking care of our family. And that's what we do for this one life. If we don't study the Dhamma and we don't practice, and if someone asks us, why do we have this life? What's it for? We won't be able to give a good answer. Maybe if people think about it a bit, um, they can come with, up with the answer that this life is for doing good actions or for being of benefit to others. But if someone thinks about it on a deeper level, they can see that this life is here for developing and cultivating our hearts, our minds to a higher level. And so do we know what this life is for? Do we know its purpose? The answer that people give um, is in line with the energy and the strength of each person's mind. But those who have wisdom know that it isn't just this life that we've been born, but there have been many lives before this. And they also know that just in the space of a single day, um, there are many births and many deaths. There are many lives. Whenever our eyes see a form, whenever our ears hear a sound, our nose smells an odor, our tongues taste something, our bodies receive a sensation, or there's a thought or a mood in the mind. These are all uh, Dhamma Aramanas. These are all sensations, feelings that come up. And from these feelings, there's a birth that takes place. There's a life. If there's liking or attraction towards something, then this is becoming and birth. And similarly, with disliking or aversion. If we're worried or concerned, then this is a life in the heart. So in just the space of of one hour, 30 minutes, or even just one minute, there can be many lives that take place. And then this life ends in death, and then there's another life that comes after that. Um, and it's not just physically that this happens, but just within this one body, uh, there's life and death that happens on and on after each other. And so do we ask ourselves, well, why and what's the purpose of this? And some people, um, they just stay to uh, just fulfill the physical duties. Um, perhaps they just eat and sleep. Um, and in that case, it's no different uh, from an animal. And just like a chicken that's in a cage or in a croup, um, then in the morning it wakes up and it goes out and it eats, it forages for food, and then 
uh, at night it goes to sleep again and it just carries on in this cycle of eating and sleeping until it dies. And so uh, for some beings, some people, their lives are just like this. And there's no willingness or no effort to raise the mind up to any higher level. That's what it's like for animals. And if people live their lives in this way, then it's not different from that of an animal. And there are many, many humans who live like this in the world. But for those who consider themselves Buddhist, or for people who have wisdom, um, they can see that it's of greater importance to raise up the heart and to give benefits to the mind. To build up an inner wealth in our hearts. To cultivate our minds in higher and higher levels. Until they reach a purity and a freedom. And this is something that is of great importance. But initially we need to have the qualities of metta and karuna, of kindness and compassion as the foundations for our minds. To have all of the four brahma-viharas there taking care of our hearts. And the third of this, uh, mudita, it's something that we need to train our minds in. Uh, because it's a quality um, that can bring us benefit and a quality that uh, that belongs to a benign mind. So when we see other people do good acts, then we can give an emotion, we can rejoice in that uh, by saying the word sadhu, or thinking that in our minds. And we also see um, on a deeper level that these hearts, these minds of ours, they don't have any names. We may give the conventions uh, to bodies saying that this person is a monk or a novice or a lay person. They're a male or a female, but this is all just conventions. But if we look on a deeper, more profound level, we'll see that it's just one mind. It's just a knowing element that's there. And this knowing element um, has created goodness through the acts of body or speech. And so we give uh, an emotion, we rejoice in that. And maybe some people have the faith to ordain as a monk or as a novice, and they build goodness in that way. But if we don't separate it out into me or others, into a being, into an animal, um, then we'll see that it's just a knowing element that's there. So then we're able to give uh, an emotion now, we're able to rejoice in the goodness, um, seeing that it's just a mind that's done this. But if we get attached uh, to things, and we start seeing uh, this person as being a person, or being some me or other, um, then it's not sure whether we'll be able to rejoice in their goodness. If we like them, then we can rejoice in that, but if we have aversion to that person, then we won't be able to have any joy of the good acts that they've done. We see that uh, the reason why we have this aversion or the reason why we hate is because of the key laces that are there. 
And if there are no kilesas, then every single mind will be pure. There'll be this inner state of awakening that's manifested, and this potential for this inner Buddha is there within all beings, even within animals. It's just with animals, they'll have to wait uh, to take a higher birth um, in order to be able to realize this potential of awakening. So we should train ourselves to give our anamodana um, and rejoice in the goodness that all beings do. It can be difficult to cultivate this uh, quality of mudita, but it's something that we should train in. And when we cultivate kindness, compassion, um, the sympathetic joy and equanimity, uh, then it will reduce the level of the defilements in the hearts. And with the quality of equanimity, when we meet with other people's greed, hatred and delusion, then we won't go and aggravate that or increase that. And these days, the kilesas, they can come about very quickly um, with social media and this uh, new age of technology, of information, and how quickly that travels. Then that also allows greed, hatred, and delusion to travel very quickly. And also the worldly winds, they change over quickly as well. So people can go from being very wealthy to very poor in a short space of time. There can be praise and then very quickly after that there can be blame and these changes over um, suddenly. And that's what the world is like these days. So we shouldn't go and aggravate or provoke, increase any of the defilements that we come across. We have this, these qualities of uh, kindness and compassion and they're very important and they help us, aid us in cultivating generosity and morality. And it's because of these Brahmaviharas that we're able to have generosity and sila, morality. These qualities, uh, the Brahmaviharas, they're important to maintain and hold within the heart. When we build up goodness, then that raises the level of our hearts. So we may be born as bodies of humans, but if we keep the precepts, then we'll also have minds of humans as well. And then when we build up um, more goodness, then we'll become a manusa devo, uh, kind of in between the states of a human and a deva. And if we have these qualities of hiri and otapa, this uh, fear of wrongdoing and a feeling like wrongdoing is beneath us, below us, then our minds will grow into a deva, devo, uh, a full deva. It'll be easy then for joy to arise in our hearts. But at the beginning we're in the state of a human, and um, so we need to cultivate this goodness. Maybe we see our parents doing good things and we decide to follow them. We see them offering food in the morning, we see them keeping the precepts and we decide that we'll do that as well. And we don't bring about harm to any being. Our minds and bodies then are in a state of a human and the heart feels at ease. 
but it may not be to the point of joy arising in the heart. But when we create this goodness often, that'll have the effect of purifying our hearts. And then we recollect this goodness and our hearts feel very full and buoyant. And this is what we do when we sit down to meditate. We recollect this goodness and our minds raise up to the level of a deva. They become very full and very joyful. And then also we create the goodness of recollecting the generosity that we've done. We, re we recollect the precepts that we've kept well. And this increases the fullness of our heart. So we see that um, these states are different, the state of a human and the state of a deva. Um, they're different. And devas are those that sacrifice very often. Um, they give up selfishness. And we see that in this practice we want to give up the sense of self. So whenever a selfish tendency comes up in the heart, then we try to give that up. And that's something to do first. We abandon the selfishness first through keeping morality and through being generous. And this works to abandon self to one degree. But even though we do that, these defilements of greed, hatred and delusion are still present in the mind. So we need to use a meditation object and the power of this meditation practice um, and also endurance to slowly work away at these defilements. In the beginning we keep the precepts and it requires this forbearance to keep that. But as we carry on with these precepts, then it'll raise up the level of our minds. And we'll be able to gather the heart together into a state of samadhi. And it'll feel very at ease and peaceful then. But even though it's in this state, um, it's still quite unsure as well, and it's still able to degenerate. So maybe we see something that we don't like, and then we become angry again. But we need to come back and to train our minds further, to give them um, energy, the energy of this path of practice. To raise them up to the state of a deva, and then maybe even... Uh, further on from then, it will be possible to raise them up to a Brahma realm. But normally we cycle between these states or these planes of the human and the Deva realm. Um, and we go back and forth between these. It's important um, to maintain our mindfulness and um, to carry on with this practice. And we'll be able to come up with the answer to this question of, of what our lives are for. We see that their purpose is to raise up our hearts until they can reach Nibbana. And if we haven't reached that state yet, then we need to carry on putting effort into the practice. Whether we're coming to the monastery, whether we're at home, then we have this devotion to keeping up the practice day after day to sitting meditation, to do chanting um, without fail each and every day. So then when we do that, when we carry on practicing day after day, then the answer will come up that our lives are for studying the Dhamma, for practicing the Dhamma, for knowing the Dhamma, for seeing the Dhamma, for attaining to the Dhamma.
the answers that we gain to this question will become higher and higher like this. At the beginning, we need to have faith and have that as our foundation, and this will lead on to wisdom. But for some people, their wisdom is very fast, and this will be the leader of their practice. And in that case, then they should do a lot of contemplation, contemplate into the unsure and the inconstant nature of things, into the stressful nature of things and how they're not self. We can ask ourselves, what do we consider to be me or to be mine? And then ask, is that really the case? Aren't all things just conventions? Like these bodies that we attach to, they depend upon the breath coming in and going out. They depend upon the food we eat and the things that we drink. And if our bodies are lacking in this, then they will start to decay and degenerate. They'll start to grow sick. And this is a way that we use our wisdom to contemplate in order to bring the mind to peace. So we see that all of the stages, um, all the things we do in the practice, even the generosity that we have, what that's for is for bringing our minds to peace and into a state of samadhi. We abandon selfishness and our minds feel very um, at ease and we build up goodness in our minds. We gain money through our work and we use a portion of that to live our lives and take care of our families and we also give away a portion of that as well. We're able to be of benefit and to build up goodness. And we see that really what that's for is for gaining and understanding, realizing emptiness. So that's why we keep the precepts. That's why we do our meditation practice. And this meditation practice can be difficult, um, but we need to carry on with it. We need to have endurance and to try and stick with our meditation object. So whether we're reciting the words Buddha or Dhammo or Sangho, whatever we do, we keep that up, Buddha, Dhammo, Sangho, until our minds gain stillness. Until we're able to contemplate into the nature of all things that arise in our minds. If there's anger that comes up in the heart, then we contemplate and we see that that's not sure. Um, and we tell ourselves that all beings that have been born have to die. So what's the point in being greedy or in getting angry or in being deluded? And this will allow wisdom to come up in the heart. And this wisdom purifies the mind little by little. It's also quite normal for a lot of doubts to arise. And these doubts, they can cover over the heart. And we can doubt everything. We can doubt the peace that's there in our mind. We can doubt how to practice. We can doubt what the quick way and the fastest route to the practice is. Um, and even when joy arises in the heart, we can even doubt that. But what we need to do is just carry on with the practice. We just keep on with it. And little by little, these doubts will lessen and get weaker. And as Lumpur Cha said, we just see them as arising and ceasing. Just see the doubts as they come up and as they leave. And if we have the presence of mind to watch this, then that will give rise to wisdom in our hearts, which will ferment our 
samadhi. So this dhamma, this quality of samadhi, um, it also comes back to uh, increase uh, the quality of wisdom. So these dhammas of mindfulness, samadhi and wisdom, they all grow and help each other out. The samadhi uh, cultivates wisdom and then wisdom then allows us to see um, clearly in order to gain liberation. We'll be able to see that these minds are just minds and the body is just a body. And the mind will separate out from the body and separate out from the feelings. The mind will become lokutara, it will go beyond the world. And there won't be any doubts. And we see that this is the fastest way to practice. The important thing is just to do it, whatever works to make our minds peaceful, then that is the quickest way to practice and that's what we do. And it's something that all of us can do. In the end we'll be able to see that um, it's all not self. And we can, and our contemplation um, will become more and more refined until we see into the nature of emptiness and we attain to the Dhamma. But in the, in the beginning this all depends upon a foundation of endurance. And there may be a lot of difficulties and obstacles, but we forbear with those. And we carry on cultivating our minds gradually until we see that the purpose of this life is for the Dhamma, for practicing the Dhamma, for attaining to the Dhamma. And all of this is for realizing emptiness in our minds. So may all of you be intent in this practice. And it's now the 6th of September, and it's close to the end of the Rains Retreat.